Good morning. It's good to be here. As you can probably hear already, I'm fighting a cold. And uh, I guess that's to be expected, change of the seasons, whatever. But uh, I am doing better today. I was down Friday and yesterday. I was starting to starting to climb out of that hole, amen, and, uh, and today I'm doing even better. So uh, those of you who are aware and praying, we appreciate it, but uh, we are looking forward to a great, great week. <clears throat> God has been blessing in our meetings, and uh, I'm just, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for folks who have a hunger for the Word of God, and they have a hunger for the presence and the power of God in their lives. And listen, if there's one thing that we need, we need the presence of God. Amen. We need the power of God upon our lives. We are living in a dark, dark world, and we need to shine as lights for the Lord and uh, not blend in. Amen. God hasn't called us to blend in. He's called us to be a light. And, uh, and so I'm thankful for this opportunity to be here. I want you to go in your Bibles this morning to the book of Mark. Mark chapter 2, and I am uh, appreciative of the good place to stay. We've been there since uh, Thursday, I believe we got in on Thursday, and uh, if I have my days correct, um, got in on Thursday, and uh, I'm thankful for, for that and uh, your care for us. <clears throat> And we are excited about our son getting married, amen, That's, he'll be the first one out of the nest, and uh, we're excited for him, and uh, he's marrying a godly girl, I thank God for that, and uh, so, so yeah, so we'll, we were looking forward to being here through the week, through Friday, and, and I told him, I said, no son, I said, it's the wedding, it's a one-time deal, I said, you, you schedule it. And we'll make it happen. And so he said, October 1st, Dad, that's what we've worked out. I said, October 1st? And so you know how it is. You tell people, that's, that's fine. And then they tell you, and they're like, what? So, but October 1st is the big day. So uh, be in prayer for him. His name is Benjamin. And uh, his bride-to-be, her name is Sarah. And pray for them. They're going to be traveling with us part-time. Uh, ben believes that God's called him into a ministry of helps in building projects. And he has some background in that, and he's getting training in that. And he's looking forward to helping churches with building projects. And so they'll be traveling with us some of the time. And as God opens the door for them to be a blessing to other churches, uh, they will, uh, they will uh, be in, involved in that. And so we appreciate your prayers for them. Mark chapter 2, and we're going to begin reading in verse number 1, and I would invite you to stand with me if you're able. We'll read down through verse number 12, Mark chapter 2, beginning in verse number 1. The Bible says, and again he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noised that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door. 
and he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Remember when the Lord told you that? But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? They had a point. They just didn't know the point they were making. And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and take up thy bed and walk? But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up, and take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed, and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. I want to spend a little time in this passage, and I want us to look at verse number 4 in particular. We'll look at the other verses as well, but with this thought in mind, things between the seeker and the Savior. Things between the seeker and the Savior. As we enter into these days of meetings, I think it's very important for each and every one of us to make sure that the way is clear between our hearts and God. And so we're going to spend a little time here this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the day you've given us. Thank you, God, for your grace upon us and your love. Lord, you've been so kind to us. And Lord, uh, I, I, I feel like Jacob when he said, I'm not worthy of the least of thy benefits, the least of your mercies. Lord, we, we know we're not worthy of them, but we sure appreciate them. God, I pray that you would help us to uh, correctly appropriate that mercy that we've been given and uh, do our very best to uh, live our lives in a way that shows you just how thankful we are. And now, Lord, as we look into your word, God, I pray by your spirit that you would guide us into the truth that we need. Lord, there's, there's needs in each and every heart. Lord, maybe we're reading this story and we're thinking, well, maybe I'm this one in that story or that one in that story. Lord, I pray that each and every one of us today, right now in this moment, that we would see ourselves as that sick man, as that one who needs something from you. God, I pray that you would help us to receive all that you prepare for us, May Jesus Christ receive all the glory and honor and praise. May no flesh glory in your presence today. We'll thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. There's several things in this story that are a tremendous blessing to my heart. And uh, when, we, when we think about this story, it's a well-known story. 
if you've been in church any length of time, if you've been in Sunday school, you've heard this story before. And probably um, most of the time when we look at this story, we look at it from the viewpoint of those four that, that bore this man. And we talk a lot about doing our part to bring people to Jesus. And, and that's a great, great lesson, a great message. We each need to do our part to bring souls to Christ. Amen? The need of this world is not of a political fashion or an economical. It's a spiritual need. And uh, so the only one who can meet that need is Jesus Christ. And so our job is to get people to Jesus. And there, there's a great lesson here about each one just manning their corner. And uh, you can't do it all, but you can do your part. Amen? And so everybody should do their part. And that's a great story, but that's, uh, that's not what we're going to focus in on. We're going to focus in on uh, this man and him getting to Jesus. And when I think about this story and I think about this meeting that we're coming up to, I want us to understand that our greatest need is to be in the presence of God. Our greatest need is to have the Lord's working in our lives in a personal way. And, uh, and so when we think about revival, we think about uh, uh, what it means to be revived, and, and we think about revivals of the past, most of the time we, we focus in on sinners getting saved. And uh, that's a wonderful fruit of revival, but it's not revival. Revival is when God's people get right with God and when God's people experience the touch of God. And from that, God works through his people to bring souls to Christ. And so uh, when we look at this, we look at this man, there were some things that were between him and the Lord that had to be removed. But let, let's, uh, let's begin in verse number one when we consider this story, I want us to first of all focus in on Christ. Before we get to the seeker, we'll look at the Savior. And, uh, and there's some things about Christ in this story that, that are helpful for us to see. In verse number one, it says, and again, he entered into Capernaum. That word again is a blessing to my heart. The Lord had been through this way before. He'd been in Capernaum before, and yet this man was still sick. Is that right? He had passed that way before, and the man had missed his opportunity, but I'm so thankful that he came through there again. And I think about my own life. I was, I was raised in church, had the gospel preached to me all my life long, I didn't get saved until I was 17 years old. And to some of you, that seems like, well, that's getting saved at a young age. Not for a church brat. Amen? Not for someone raised up in church. God was long-suffering with me. He was patient with me. And I'm so thankful that he came my way again. It says again, he entered into Capernaum after some days. And look at this. It was noise that he was in the house. You know, it would be a great blessing if this week it was noised that the presence of God was in this place, that, that he was here, that he was interested, that he was willing, and we know that he's able 
to do a great work in the hearts of individuals and in the lives of our families and in churches that God is here and that God is willing to do what we cannot do. It was noise that he was in the house. That word noise, it means much talked of. Amen? You know, you know what? You say, well, how can I be a blessing to the meeting this week? I'm not preaching and I'm not singing and, and, uh, and I've given what I could give, you know. Here's, here's a great way to, to be a blessing in the meeting this week. Go to work tomorrow and tell people, boy, the Lord showed up in the church house yesterday. The presence of God was real in the place. Now you say, listen, a lot of people, we, we become, let me be careful saying this, I've got cold brain, so I don't want to say anything wrong. But we, we've, we've gotten to the place where we put God in a box and we think that he has to operate our way. And when, when we think about the presence of God, we become so logical about things. You say, well, the Bible says, Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst. So we always have the presence of God. I know what you're saying. I know what Jesus said. Which, by the way, the context of that is church discipline. When Jesus said that, just throw that out there. But, yes, we know he's here. But this is what happened with Jacob. When he went to sleep on that rock, the Lord showed up. And you know the story, that ladder that ascended or went, came down from heaven and the angels of God ascending and descending on that ladder. Jacob woke up and this is what he said, surely the Lord was in this place and I knew it not. I knew it not. How could somebody as big as God be in the place and you don't realize it? Listen, I believe that's happening. There's a difference between the presence of God and the manifested presence of God. And we could be in this place and the Lord be in this place and us not be aware of it, us not be helped by it. We're looking at a story this morning. There, were, there, were, there was a multitude of people around Jesus, but only one left healed. I'm saying we can have our meeting and we can put it on the schedule and we can say we're going we're gonna to be in the church house. But, but, but just being here is not enough. We're here for a reason. We're here for a purpose. We want God to meet with us. We want His presence to be so real that we can't miss it. We want His power to touch us and heal us and help us. Because we are just as needy as this man on this bed of sickness. We're just as needy. The Lord was in the house and it was noised that he was in the house. I'm not saying go to work and make it up. Amen. I'm not saying say something that, that, you know, pretend something's real when it's not. But if God's speaking to your heart in this place today, you ought to tell people about it. Amen. It was noise that he was in the house. That's what we want. We're glad to be here, and I'm glad you're here. But if it's just here, us here, 
uh, boy, it's, it's, it's going to fall flat. We need the Lord here. It says that in verse 2, straightway many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. Now, it's interesting to me. We don't know why all these people came. Maybe some of them came. The Bible tells us that in other places that they came because of the miracles. They wanted to see some great thing. They had no real personal interest in the Lord, but they came to see the show. Sadly, many people are showing up at church today for the show. So maybe there were some people there for that. Maybe there were some there because they knew that every now and again Jesus would fix a meal for them. John 6 tells us some came for the miracle, some came for the meal. Sounds like church homecoming, doesn't it? They have those down south. I don't know if they have them up here, but they call them homecomings, and it's kind of like a, maybe like a church anniversary. And they'll have a big meal, and everybody will show up that you hadn't seen all year long because there's a meal, amen? And uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe there's some people there for that. But I do know this, when they gathered together, the Lord did not scratch their itch. The Bible says he preached the word unto them. The word will still work. The word still works. Just preach the word. Just open up the King James Bible and preach God's word as it is to people as they are. And the, and the Lord will show up. He'll help you. And, uh, <coughs> excuse me, he'll help you if, you if you preach it. Amen? And if you'll come. I like this, uh, this thought ahead. If you preach it, they will come. Amen? If you preach it, they will come. Because he preached the word unto them, the end of verse 2, verse 3, and they come unto him. You say, well, you know, if, if, if we want to fill up this church house, we're going to have to try some different programs, and we're going to have to get with, with the program, and all these other churches, they're filling up. You know, I still believe, I still believe there's people that want the truth. I still believe, listen, there, there's, there's churches all through our communities. The, 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 the folks in our communities ought to know. In this community, they ought to know. Now, there's a lot of churches, but if I want to hear the truth, I'll go to Emmanuel Baptist Bible Church. Amen. And a lot of people are just looking for a social gathering. They're looking for a show. They're looking for the, the goodies. They're looking for what, you know, what, what kind of programs they got for the kiddos and all that stuff. Now, there's a lot of people looking for that, but I believe there's still some people looking for the truth. And there ought to be a place where they know they can come and hear the truth of the Word of God. So he preached the Word. They come unto him, bringing one sick with a palsy, born of four. Now, I, I, I want us to, to look at, we're going to jump past verse 4 because we're going to get to that in just a minute. Look at verse number 5. It says, When Jesus saw their faith, he, saith unto the, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Now notice that Jesus 
the man's physical needs are so obvious, you can't miss them. He's there on this bed. He's, he's been let, through, uh, let down through a, through a hole in the roof. I mean, it's obvious why the man is there. And yet the Lord does not deal with the obvi obvious need. He deals with the most pressing need. You know what is most obvious is not all the time most pressing? The greatest need this man had was to get his sins forgiven. That was his greatest need. And he's coming to the Lord and, and, and there's, there's things in his life that are happening and, and, and probably he thinks, boy, I need Jesus because I'm in this bed of sickness. But I believe the Lord was using that bed of sickness to get him to, to Jesus so that he could have his greatest need met. The, 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 the need of this world. Well, we got, we got hunger and we got poverty and we've got, we've got war and we've got all this. Uh, those are great needs, but the greatest need of the world is Jesus. The greatest need is the forgiveness of sins. Now you read this story, and it's like, it's like the Lord would have had the scribes not reason in their hearts. The story might have stopped at verse 5. You read down through this story, look at it. He said, thy sins be forgiven thee, period. He's done. But, what does that mean? The story is going to continue because... There were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their heart. Scribes are good at reasoning. Pharisees are good at reasoning. You know, you know what the opposite of reasoning is? Faith. Well, we'll reason something to death, but we won't faith it at all. You know, the way of God rarely makes sense to the human mind. Rarely. Why is that? His ways are higher than ours. His thoughts are higher than ours. He knows a whole lot more than we do. We got a little box, and he don't fit in it. Amen? They were reasoning in their hearts, and they said, Why does this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? The answer to that question is, only God can forgive sins. They didn't realize who they were dealing with. They were dealing with God the Son, Jesus Christ, God manifest in the flesh. And so they're reasoning this. Now, you would think that verse 8 would be proof enough to the scribes of who they were dealing with. Look at verse 8. Immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, why reason ye these things in your hearts? Now think about that. Now we're reading the story. God's given us all the info about the story, but we're reading more than they're, than they're realizing in the moment. The Lord just told them, Jesus just told them, I know what you're reasoning in your heart. I know that you're reasoning in your heart. Now, come on, if you're, if you're there, you're a scribe, and, and you see this going on, you have not said a word. You haven't said a word. All you've done is reason in your heart. And the Lord 
looks over at you and says, why are you reasoning in your heart? Now that should have been proof enough that Jesus was the Son of God, that Jesus was the Messiah, that Jesus had power on earth to forgive sins. But they weren't convinced. So he says in verse 9, Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and take up thy bed and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose. Now something interesting to me about this is that the forgiveness of sins was done for the man. Right? Thy sins be forgiven thee. But the healing was done for the sake of the witnesses. It wasn't done for the man. You say, what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying this. This man got all he needed when he got the forgiveness of sins. You say, well, he needed to be healed. No, a lot of people don't get healed. He heals them of this disease, and he's going to die eventually. Right? If his sins aren't forgiven, he's going to the same hell he would have went to in a, in a sick body. The healing was not done for the man, even though the man benefited from it. The healing was done for the witnesses. The healing was done for, for the scribes. Why? To prove to them that Jesus had power to forgive sins. Now, I was thinking about this. This man... This healing that took place was a testimony that he had been forgiven. So Jesus said, I'm going to change your life. And when you say that going from a life of paralysis to a life of walking, that's a change. I'm going to change your life to prove that you've had your sins forgiven. You know, that's a biblical principle. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. And I love how the Lord put that, that next word in. Behold. Behold. What does that mean? It means you can see it. Behold, all things are become new. The gospel of Jesus Christ changes lives. Changes lives. You do not leave the same way that you came to Jesus. Then, boy, I like this. He tells him in verse 12, he tells him to take up his bed and, and, and walk with it. Go home with it. Now, obviously, he didn't need this sick bed anymore. Is that right? But the Lord said, I want you to pick that up, and I want you to take that home. I want everybody on the way home to see you. Listen, 
They saw you coming, coming to me being carried by that thing. Now I want them to see you go home carrying the thing that used to carry you. The thing that used to control your life. I want them to see that it's not in control anymore. God gave me power. Now I'm carrying it. That's the power of the gospel. That's the power of Jesus Christ. That's the power to change lives. Are people seeing you carry that bed or are they seeing that bed carry you? Well, I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. I, 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 I know God. I, 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 I know God. But then they see you live the same way you used to live. They see you live the same life they're living. Well, that's not much of a testimony. Amen? Pick up that bed. Well, preacher, it's just, you know, this sin, it just, it's so hard to give up, and it's just so hard to get the victory. I understand. We all deal with the flesh. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? We understand there's a constant battle with the flesh, but we have the victory through Jesus Christ. We don't have to walk the way we used to walk or be carried the way we used to were carried. This testimony of this man's life. Now, what was the testimony of? Was it the testimony that this man overcame some sickness? No. What was the testimony? Look at it again. He says, verse 10, But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to what? To heal? No. To forgive sins. To forgive sins. What's the testimony? The testimony is not that Jesus can heal the body. The testimony is that Jesus can heal the soul. Salvation changes a man from the inside out. That, that's the difference of, of conforming and being transformed. Uh, these young people, you know how to do it. I, I grew up in church. I know how to do it. I know how to conform to the rules. I know how to conform to the standard. I know how to have the form right on the outside. That's conforming. But transforming happens from the inside. That indicates a change. A change on the inside, not just the change of the outward appearance. Now, the outward speaks. It speaks, though, of the inward change. This man being healed was for the benefit of everyone around to see Listen, there's something different about this man. There's been a huge transformation. Well, what happened? Well, Jesus forgave his sins. And to prove that his sins were forgiven, he got him up off of that bed of sickness. That's the gospel. I don't know how else to say it. That's the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the gospel has power. Notice that in verse 10. The Son of Man hath power on earth, not just in heaven. See, this new gospel says, well, you know, your sins are all forgiven, and so one day you're going to be different when you get to heaven. No, God, Jesus has power to change the life on earth. He said, all power is given unto me in earth and in heaven. I'm so glad I'm not just preaching a gospel that works in heaven. I'm so glad I'm preaching the gospel that works here. It'll work in any life. 
It'll work in any soul. It'll work in any situation for any sickness and any sin. Thank God for the power of the gospel. He said, I want you to take up that bed. Don't leave it here. I want you to take it up. I want you to walk around. I want people to see that I made a change in your life. That's why we're here, folks. That's why we're still here. To show the world that we have a Savior who is sufficient in power, not just to forgive sins, but to change lives. Now watch what happened in verse 12. and We'll have to finish the message in the morning service. Watch what happened in verse 12. Immediately he arose and took up the bed and went forth before them all, insomuch. That is, he took up the bed insomuch. He arose insomuch. He went forth before them all, insomuch. That is, he made a big deal of it. Insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God. You know, I believe with all my heart, if God gets glory from these days that we're here this week, it'll be a, it'll be a successful meeting. They glorified God, saying, well, I like this, we never saw it on this fashion. Now, you know what? The scribes and the Pharisees and the Jews, they all had a fashion that they were used to seeing that they called God working. You understand what I'm saying? They had a way that they did things and, and, and they, things that they were accustomed to. They said, well, this is how God works. And then God shows up and blows their theory right out of the water. He said, you, you think that was God working with your little traditions and with your little rituals? And all the things that you think, that you think, well, th this is God working. Jesus shows up and says, let me show you something. Let me show you how I really work. When is this a work of God? When God's word goes forth and lives are changed and, and sins are forgiven and, 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 and people glorify God, that's God working. That's the fashion of of the meeting that we want this week. We want God to get glory. We want souls to get saved. We want lives to be changed. And it's still possible because the same Jesus that worked in this man's life is here to work in our lives. The same Jesus. He has not changed. Well, we, we don't know what to make of this. I would love it this week. I would love if God showed up in such a way that I said, boy, I've never seen it on this fashion. Amen. I'm not too proud to say that. I'd, I'd love for the Lord to do something this week. And I said, boy, I have never seen that before. Now, listen, if you're a Pharisee or a scribe, you're sitting there thinking, well, this guy's probably charismatic. I'm not, I'm, I'm Baptist. But you know what I am first? I'm a Bible believer. I believe this book. And I believe that the Lord, He wants to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. I, 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 
I, I believe with all my heart, the Lord doesn't just want to have a, us just to have a good meeting. I believe He wants to do something special. I believe He wants to do something eternal. I believe He wants to forgive somebody's sins this week. I believe He wants to change a life this week. I believe He wants to, He wants us to, He, he wants to see some people carry their bed this week. Instead of the bed carry them. Maybe he wants to call some, some person into ministry. I believe he wants to give somebody some victory over sin. I'll tell you one thing I know for sure he wants, he wants to be glorified this week. He wants to be glorified. We'll look in the next service. And, I mean, I, I, hopefully you, you stick around for that. But... We're going to look at the next service, those things that were between this man and the Lord. And we're, we're, we're going to get down to just where the rubber meets the road. Because one thing for certain, if we want to get help from God, we're going to have to get serious about our condition and serious about His ability to help us. You got some kids you're worried about? You know what they need? They need to get to Jesus. Amen. Grandkids, neighbors, friends, co-workers, they need to get to Jesus. Nobody else can help them. Nobody else can. We want to help, but we can't. Only He can help. And so we've got to get them to Jesus. Heavenly Father, thank You for this time and Your Word this morning. God, thank You for Your Spirit. Thank You for Your love. God, thank You for the forgiveness of sins. Lord, that you could forgive me. Lord, we think about that word forgive. It's to treat as if I never offended. That I was never guilty. Even though you and I both know I was guilty. You treat me now like I never was guilty. You've declared me to be righteous. You've justified me. And Lord... So many other things you've done for me, but God, if that was the only thing you ever did for me, how I should live my life before others to show them the power of the gospel and the goodness of my God. Lord, help us. In Jesus' name, amen.